thanks. Hello. Happy holidays. Are you all enjoying the summer? Summer, in inverted commas. If you're back, if you've been away, welcome back. If you're going away, can I come too? <laughs> but uh, yeah, having a great summer. And I'm really enjoying this series. Don't know about you. So we're a third week in to go for the lost, make disciples, and um, it's. It's a really challenging series, actually, when you think about it. Um, we try and do like some kind of light-hearted, in, well, over the summer, you know, encourage you all. But actually, go for the lost. There's a very clear application and a very clear instruction. Go for the lost. And we have to sometimes wake up to the fact that there are lost out there. That actually there are people who don't know where they're going. And unfortunately, we do because they're lost. And we have a clear mandate from heaven to go for them. The lost are all around us. They're at work. They're in our schools. They're in our colleges. They're on campus. They're at home. The lost are strangers and they're close by. And my focus this week is to go for the lost at home with your friends, family, at work, wherever your world may be. That's our focus this week. And God wants us to go after them. He wants us to go for the lost and make disciples. He wants, us to, he wants to use us to reach them, to reach the stranger and to reach the relation. That's why we're here. You don't, we don't get saved and then we get taken home to glory. We're here for a purpose and this is why I believe. So I'm going to try and keep it lighthearted. But actually, in essence, I think we need almost a bit of a wake-up call that there are lost out there and we need to go after them. Relationships are hugely important, and God uses relationships all the time. They're, they're God-ordained and God-designed, but they're not the only way to introduce people to Jesus. We don't have to wait for the relationships to introduce a person to Jesus. We could do it in five minutes, couldn't we? Now, I'm not from Stoke, and my accent's kind of like morphing. Um, I moved to Stoke from the south, and so if you're born and bred from Stoke, this might, you might not have thought about this about yourselves, but when I first came here, I thought you were incredibly bizarre, because I would be standing waiting for a bus, and a complete stranger would end up trying to talk to me and strike up a conversation, and I'm like, all right, personal space, you over there. I'm from the south, you don't talk to strangers, you don't talk to people you don't know, but actually now... Having been here for a number of years, I'm that person. I'm in Aldi, and I'm striking up conversations left, right, and center. I love it. So uh, I think, actually, people from Stoke, you've got one up here. Because making conversation with a stranger is very easy. Very easy. So we can use relationships, and we don't have to, but we don't have to be in relationship with people to reach them for the lost. And this is something that Tim spoke about last week. And this is what I would say about them all building on each other. Because sometimes we use relationships as an excuse to not tell someone. Because, and I don't, this is, this is an ouch moment, okay? And as I've been preparing this message, I've had a lot of ouch moments. I'm going to be honest. I'm not up here because I know how to do this perfectly. I'm preaching to myself as much. But sometimes we use relationships to put off bringing God up, if we're honest. It's not yet time. We need to build up some trust. They need to see me living consistent. 
And as Tim mentioned last week, when he notices that I don't get involved in whatever, he'll, he'll ask me why. The problem is they don't ask us why. I can think of many people that I've, I've been nice to, I've been kind to, I've taken my moral stand, and they don't ask why. They just continue to like me because I'm nice. They don't ask why. The problem that we have with this is that time is not guaranteed. Time is not a luxury that we have. We don't know how long people are in our lives for. So actually, we, have to, we can't re- rely on the crutch of a relationship in order to tell people about Jesus. How often are opportunities missed because we took a step back or we didn't take a step forward? We didn't, people are in our lives for a season, possibly, or literally passing through. And I know, like I said, I've missed opportunities. I've, ste- I've stepped back. I've kept quiet. I've relied on other people's curiosity and used the excuses. And I think, like I said at the start, I think that the, we, I'm not, I'm not sort of saying you, I'm saying we, if we're honest, have lost the urgency of the good news. Because, like I said, we know where the lost are going, but they don't know that. And so we can't wait for their curiosity. I'm reminded, so Ben and I are in this church, we are the young adult pastors, and we're reminded all the time that time is not a luxury we have. Our ministry is very transient. The young adults, if they're students, they might be here for three years. They might be here for three months. And we have a mandate to make sure that they've heard about Jesus and they, walk, they leave here changed for the better. That's our responsibility. They might not stay. We don't have that luxury of time. But Jesus has commanded that we still go and we still make disciples. And I believe the key to being able to introduce Jesus is not the relationship, but it's actually about being relational. We don't have to be friends with everyone, but we can be. And if we're to reach people, we should be friendly. So like I said, this isn't a rocket science kind of a message, but my prayer is that this is a wake-up call for us all, me included, me perhaps most of all, that we go for the lost in the work with our friends and family, every sphere of life. And I've, I've read a passage in the Bible that I think will give us tools when it comes to being relational. It's um, a story from the book of Acts, and I'm going to read it to you. You might know it. It's um, about Philip and the eunuch. So it's up on the screens for you. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, and he asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? 
The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Philip and the eunuch had nothing in common to be in relationship about, and their encounter was incredibly brief. And yet Philip managed to reach out by being relational and lead this eunuch to Christ and baptize him. Never mind just salvation. There's a challenge in the uh, staff bathrooms. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I've called this preach Relational 101. What are three keys here to being relational? And the first key is to be relevant. To be relevant means to be closely connected or appropriate to current time or circumstances. In other words, to be in context. If we're to go for the lost, we need to go and be found in their context. And that might mean getting our hands dirty and making ourselves uncomfortable. Now, before we go on, I'm not saying at all that we compromise the good news or we dilute it down to fit into popular culture at all. I'm not saying that, but I am saying we cannot wait for people to come to us. We have, an understand, if we, we have to have an understanding of the world that we're in, and that will direct us to go for the lost. The Bible says we are not of this world, but we are still in it, and we need to understand the world that we're in. Acts 8, 27, 28, from the passage we just read, said, An angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority. Philip had to go to the eunuch. Philip had to fit into the eunuch's context, to the eunuch's current set of circumstances, and be relevant to him. He went further, and he spoke first, and he asked the eunuch if he understood what he was reading. And he deep-dived qu really quickly into that eunuch's world without any prior relationship. So... Before we carry on, who is your eunuch right now? Who is that lost person that perhaps God is prompting you to go towards, to be relational to, that you might need to get your hands dirty to reach and be relevant? How can you establish a quick connection with your eunuch? How can you be relevant in their world? You need to know what's going on in the world and in theirs. Like I said, Ben and I are young adult pastors here. I'm not quite a young adult anymore. They think I'm 26. Amazing. I'm not. But uh, it's, I'm not quite a young adult. But I need to know what it's like and what it means to be a young adult in this day and age. So I listen to Radio 1. Although I quite like it for myself. I go on MSN. Yep. A little bit of celeb gossip and culture. Just, you know, you can drop it in. They're quite impressed when you do that. I have an Instagram account. I'm also on Snapchat, although I don't really know how it works. But I'm on. I'm on. They're my eunuchs. They're my lost. I need to know what's going on in their world. 
we work with students, so the fact that Ben and I were students at Keel speaks volumes. We know what it's like to come away from home, to have to work out your faith on your own. We know what it's like to try and budget and pay for things. We know what it's like when you forget what a sofa is. We tell them, the freshers look really like blank-faced at you when you say, sofas become an urban myth. And then when you go, then they come back after Christmas, like, did you sit on a sofa? They're like, oh, my days, a sofa. They're real, matching cutlery, sitting at a table with your food. Amazing. We get it. We get their world, and it's important that we do. And the day we stop getting their world, the day we stop being relevant, is the day that we hand over to someone else. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 10.33 says, I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. Reaching people and being relational might mean doing what's best for them and not what's best for me, for making myself uncomfortable. So that's being relevant. The second key is to be real. And this speaks of being vulnerable, being accessible, being approachable, and being present. And that, I think, is the real crux of it, to be present. When I was 13, um, my granddad passed away. He was the only grandparent I had. And he passed away. And I was going to church at the time, but I was kind of going because I was taken by my parents. I wasn't really going for me at all. But my friends, even though, even then, at 12, 13, 14 years old, they knew how to be real with me. And they got present, and they brought me to the youth group at the church that we went to. I wasn't going to youth group. Like I said, I kind of was just taken by my parents on a Sunday. And... Um, but in that time of grief, in that time of real upset, by my friends being real with me, it was a catalyst for my own journey of, becoming, of coming to know who Jesus was for myself, of, becoming, of, of knowing that having that personal relationship with Jesus. They brought me to a place where there was hope. They didn't try and paint away the thing, you know, oh, God works all things for good. That, wasn't, that wouldn't have been helpful and probably would have pushed me far, far away. But they let me cry in an environment where there was hope. They were real. They were physically present with me. Being real is so often about investing or making time to be wholly present in a moment with someone. And I, we have to get so good at this because it's so easy for us to be absent present. Your mind's elsewhere or you've got an app secretly open. We need to be physically present with people, and virtually present. So this is all about social media. Katy Perry, the great prophet Katy Perry, <laughs> biblical character Katy Perry, I, like I said, irrelevant. Um, over the summer, there's been a lot of music festivals, and um, she did this thing at two. It was in light of the events that happened in Manchester. And she performed at One Manchester and at Glastonbury. And she did this thing, which I thought we could do. It's not weird. It's okay. We're all right. She did this thing. So turn to the person on your left. Touch them on the shoulder. And you can either tell them you're going to be okay. Or you can give them, I get you. You're all right. Kind of a smile. Now that might feel... 
incredibly uncomfortable. But here's what she said. She said, social media can't do that. And that really hit home for me. It is brilliant to see social media covered with scriptures, covered with testimonies, covered with positive voices. But we need to make sure that those two lives marry up and mirror each other. We need to make sure that we don't just keep our declaring of our faith to our virtual world. And I don't know about you, but I find it really easy to tell people I'm a Christian online. And then like in person, I'm like, yeah, I go to church. Like, and it shouldn't be that way. Like, I need to get better at that and being, making sure that when I post a scripture online, that actually I'm comfortable talking about it in front of people as well. To be real is to be physically present and to be real with our faith. Acts 8.35 says, So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. So Philip went to the eunuch, Philip got in his chariot, he sat down alongside this man, and beginning with that scripture, he told of Christ's compassion, and he began to explain the good news. And the reality of the gospel packed such a punch with this eunuch that he received his salvation and he got baptized. I can imagine Philip not just explaining the theological background of this passage of scripture. I can imagine him telling him what it meant for him, how it became alive in his life, what it meant to him to be free of all his sins, what it meant for him to know that his eternity is determined and he has a hope for his future. I can imagine that is what got the eunuch on his knees before Jesus. The good news centers around Jesus, removing our sin. And Philip will have had to have made himself vulnerable and admit his failings and what being free of them means. I've got friends that aren't Christians yet who have gone through very painful experiences. And I have a friend who, she, I work with her, and I remember her sitting with me, crying, saying, why do bad things happen? Something terrible had happened to her. And she was sat there, it was just the two of us in the office, and I had to pray internally, because that would have been weird. I prayed, and I was like, God, you've got to help me. And I remember sitting with her, with my arm around her, going, I don't know, but I have to trust that God is still good. And I have to trust that the future is not determined by this sadness, but he has something bigger in store. And it took a lot of strength, but I believe it's planted a real seed. And there are conversations now happening, which is very, very exciting. Be real, be present and be vulnerable. Get in your eunuch's chariot, whatever that is. Sit down next to people and invest your time. The third and final key to being relational is to be ready. Be ready to act and go when God prompts you. And be ready to speak. Philip received instructions and went. And I don't read in Acts 8 that there was any kind of delay in that happening. And when he saw the chariot, he ran. Like that is a challenge in itself. He's, he didn't just sit have an opportunity pointed out to him he saw it and he went after it he ran believing that he he was just he was obedient to God he was ready and being ready means being obedient to God's prompting and this is perhaps one of the hardest points of today 
Because actually, going for the lost is a command that Jesus left us with. And so, when we see someone who's lost, when the Holy Spirit prompts us, that's actually God going, giving us a little nudge, a reminder of his command. And are we going to be obedient to what he's asking us to do? Like I said, I am not perfect in this at all. I know I've missed opportunities to go for the lost because I've not been ready, in brackets, disobedient. I haven't run after the opportunities like Philip. Sometimes I have run away. And when you're in that moment, when you've been obedient, when you have run towards the opportunity, be ready to speak. Philip was able to bring the good news of Jesus alive to the eunuch because he was ready, because he was prepared. There's a passage in or a verse in 1 Peter 3.15 that says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Practice your testimony. Write it down. The practical things that will help you be ready. If you're one of these people who it doesn't come naturally, then practice Practice in a safe place. Practice in your small group. I love that kids' church today are practicing telling each other the gospel. That's awesome. Practice so you're not tongue-tied when someone asks you about your faith. Be ready. Do the homework. You know, I've done Alpha about four or five times. And I do it partly because I've brought someone with me, but also I do it because actually you address the big questions And you get used to talking about Jesus with people who don't know Jesus. So you get to what you 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 have you don't struggle with the jargon because you have to remove it from your language. You don't you get to articulate faith in a way that other people understand. And so when Alpha starts in September, if you want to do some homework and make sure you're ready, do Alpha. I found it incredibly helpful. Jesus instructs us to go and make disciples. We need to be ready to respond when he prompts. People are wandering around blissfully ignorant. Nine times out of ten, they won't come to us. How do they know if they don't know? So we have to be prepared and ready to go to them. We have to be prepared and ready to move. And be reminded, you're not just doing this in your own strength. We've been singing these songs this morning, and God reminded me, you're not just doing this on your own. You're not just doing this to tick a box to say, go, and say, and yes, I've been an obedient follower. We're going because we're sent in power to do it. God sends us with his power, with his spirit, with his capacity, with his love. That's why we're here. And so actually being ready for you might be being reminded of your own salvation. Being ready for you might mean being reminded that you have a hope for your future already. And that you are sent in power. And that Jesus does reside in you. And the Holy Spirit is working through you. That might be you getting ready. That might be your action point for today. So be relevant. Be in context and appropriate to the current circumstances. Understand the world and the world of your eunuch. Be real. Be present and be vulnerable. Don't keep your faith on Facebook. 
but let your real and virtual lives mirror each other and be prepared to share your story and your scars. Be appropriate, but actually, you have got to give a little. We don't want to just paint a face over it all and say that everything's rosy when it's not. People need to see that life is hard. We met with um, a fantastic couple this week and who are in the church. They're away on holiday this week. And they were sharing that actually they've had a really, really rough week. And um, But some of the work that they do outside of um, this church is they work with some asylum seekers. And they said, we're real with them. We tell them when life is hard. Because the asylum seekers think that life here is peachy. And it's not. But actually, it's really humbling when they hear that actually, despite our difficulties, we carry on. Despite our hardships, God is still good. And it was such a blessing and such an encouragement to me. And it was a reminder to be real and be ready. Be obedient when he asks you to go, when the Holy Spirit prompts you, and have an answer for the hope that you have. The last verse of this passage says, Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azatoth. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. After Philip went after the one, after Philip reached the one and led the one to Jesus, the Spirit of God snatched him away, physically moved him to a brand new place. And it says that Philip preached in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Philip was used in a bigger arena, on a bigger scale than probably he dared dream he could possibly ever be used. Because, and I believe he did that because he first obediently went after the one. If we're to see our whole families, our whole workplaces, our whole schools and universities reached for Christ, it will start by obediently going after the one first. So who is your eunuch this week? Who are you going for? Who is the lost in your world? Because like I said, the application to this series is really simple. We need to go for them. The what and the why, we all understand. The how is tailored to them and to your circumstances. But also maybe you're the eunuch in this situation. Maybe you're someone who's waiting for the good news to be explained to you. And that can start now. That can start right here, right now. You might have come here today with your curiosity. You know a little bit about God. You know a little bit about who he is because you, like the eunuch, he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. You know some bits, but you don't know who he is. Well, well done for coming, first of all. And we want to give you an opportunity to get to know him. We want to, get, we want to create an opportunity for you to not be lost anymore. We want you to be welcomed. We want you to know that you have a hope for your future in this world and the next. Because that's what we're going for. So let's pray. If you all want to bow your heads. So first of all, I'm talking to you, the eunuch, the lost. And you might not know that you're lost. Or it might only just be dawning on you that now you are lost. But you're not lost anymore. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And he loves you. And he has a hope for you and for your future. 
Do you want to know where you're going when this world ends? You don't have to be lost anymore. Or perhaps you were once not lost. Perhaps you know who Jesus is, but you've wandered from him. You've become lost. You've lost your way. You can come back. You can return. And so if this is you this morning, if you've never found Jesus, or you once knew who he was, but you need to know who he is again, and you need to know that your future is determined. This is your opportunity. This is your moment. No one's looking. But if you want to raise your hand to signify that I need in on this, I need to know that I'm not lost anymore, then raise your hand, let me know, and someone from the welcome team would love to come and talk to you afterwards and introduce you to Jesus. And for the rest of us, let's pray. God, I pray for the wisdom, God, to be relevant in our worlds. I pray that, God, you would direct our feet to know what it is to understand the people that we're trying to talk to, the people that we're trying to relate to. God, I pray that you would guide us. I pray that you would help us to be real. Holy Spirit, would you help us to be vulnerable, to show our scars but show our victory in them. And God, I pray that you would give us a boldness to go. And I pray that we would be obedient when we're prompted to. And I pray that we would be ready with all that we are. And we would be reminded that, God, we aren't just doing this on our own, but we are doing this with heaven on our side, with your power at work within us. Thank you, Jesus. Keep our heart for the lost alive. Keep our heart for the lost and the urgency to go after them burning within us, God. May we never become complacent when it comes to reaching our lost, when it comes to reaching our world. Keep them on our hearts, God. Keep them in our focus. May we always be alert for the opportunities that come our way. May we not back down when they present themselves. Thank you, Jesus.